Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When the folks from Interzone came to me at Coaching You and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what Interzone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of Interzone with your team, whether you are middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash Interzone. That's I-N-N-E-R-Z-O-N-E. Hey, welcome to another edition of Coaching You Podcast, and I'm so excited today to preview the Women's NCAA Tournament 
uh, my guest, though, she's qualified to do men and women. She's qualified to do anything. She could coach either team, and she can shoot better than anyone that we have that ever has been on this podcast. I think, I think, but I'll have to go through those notes. I haven't had Steph Curry, so I think you qualify. Debbie Antonelli, good morning, my friend. Coach, I'm so honored that you invited me to your podcast. Thank you so much, and thank you for that kind introduction. And uh, I know who some of your guests are, and I can shoot better than most of them. I think so, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Billy, so. Billy Donovan had a couple of good years at Providence, but after that, Ooh, you, know, I don't know. He, you know. Billy's but he's, pretty, he's, he's pretty good. But listen, um, I know you're on your way today uh, to Hartford, and you're going to be doing so much studio stuff. Uh, for ESPN, is, and you do a great job, whether you're an analyst at a game or a studio host, but or you know, analyst in a studio. But I want to focus right now on the women's game because I love women's basketball, and I think it is one of the best kept secrets. It's not something just for women to watch. I mean, I watch women's basketball to pick up some new ideas because they run great stuff. The WNBA for years has been running great offense and I love the women's game. And uh, we have so many good coaches on that side of the game. Tell me as I'm watching the selection show last night and I'm excited about the team's I'm a, tell me your thoughts as you're sitting there as an expert watching it. And we know the easiest thing to do is critique selections and seedings. The hardest thing to do is to make <laughs> the seedings and selections. Right. So as an expert, you're sitting there, you're on both sides. Tell me your thoughts. Well, first of all, let me just say to your listeners, it is true what you just said about your passion for the women's side of the game, because uh, I've been to coaching you clinics. I, I know how much you care. I know how much you've helped our game. And um, for someone who's always trying to learn and, and to find out something new, um, you're my favorite resource to do so, because you do tie in the men, the women, the NBA, the WNBA. And I think it's an um, incredible opportunity to continue to grow. So thank you. Thank you for everything that you do, coach, because um, you do help a lot on the women's side, and you may not even know that you're doing so, but you do. Thank you. Uh, when when I'm watching the uh, selection show, I'm trying to remember how much we have to celebrate and not get nitpicky in the detail of who got in, who didn't, um, and and why. Um, you know, the NCAA committee does a, a incredible job. They spend countless numbers of hours trying to put this together. This is the greatest sporting event on the women's side to me, as well as uh, on the men's side, as we know. Um, it's it's the Super Bowl time of year for us basketball people. So, um, you know, when I'm watching the, the bracket unveil, I have a lot of different thoughts about how they selected and, and who got in and uh, where they're being sent. And um, I know the committee works really hard. They don't always give us the answers that we ask, uh, the questions to how people got in and why. <laughs> They have about 15 criteria that they can fall back on. They have policies and procedures, and the uh, the buzz word is always body of work, and that seems to let them off the hook. Um, but, um, you know, I, I want to celebrate what we have and the great seasons we've had, the incredible athletes that represent the women's game, how hard they work, and how, how, how much drama we have this year in terms of there's no clear-cut dominant team, which I think makes it really exciting for the tournament. I agree with that, and I'm. I love coaches, so I mean, everyone on the top line are coaches that I admire and I try to study and learn from. 
uh, all those one seats. I love Muffet. Jeff Wall is incredible, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, and I think Vic Schaefer has been absolutely incredible. And then what the Lady Bears of Baylor have done, mm-hmm. and what she has done there. You talk about she's the coach K in many ways of women's coaching, and she has just been. They've been, since the beginning of the year, they have been fabulous at Baylor. And I had listened to her last night on the show, and I said, boy, oh, boy, she, she's, got, she's got that eye of the tiger in her, and they're going to be hard to beat, I think. Yeah, and I think their path is uh, somewhat light. So I think they'll have a very good shot of getting to the Final Four. Um, I, I actually would pencil them all the way through just yep. because – their size inside is dominant. But what Kim Mulkey has done, winning nine consecutive Big 12 championships, and you consider, uh, you, you call her Coach K, I call her the Bill Self of, of the women's um, side <laughs> and the Big 12, because sure. that is so hard to do, to win over and over. And, you know, I think culture and identity are sometimes cliches in our game. You know, what really, what is really your culture? I mean, it's the people that come through your program that understand what the standards and the level of discipline and execution, and they have the ability to share that with the younger ones. And then whatever your identity is, is however you decide you want to play, whatever concepts philosophically you like to play in, because we know fundamentals are the same across the board. It's what you emphasize. So when I look at Kim Mulkey, I am so impressed with what she's done with her guards this year because I thought that was the weak link in November. And we all know they have size. And, Coach, you know when you get to this time of the year, possessions shrink, game slows down, you you know, you have to be able to execute and you have to have great guard play in March. And I think Kim has that, and that's allowed them to to just run through the Big 12 really uncontested. You know, uh, you know, they always talk. My my high school coach and my mentor is Yubi Brown, and and he always talks about the key to a, the identity of a team and is the coach. And presence is a great word in coaching. And Kim Mulkey, she, I hate to say this about a, a a Louisiana woman since I live here, is that she's got such toughness, right? <laughs> she is oh, a yeah. fiery little thing. And, you know, and I, and I think that, you know, that is her identity and, and boy, uh, and, and, and her team plays like that, but let's go through this, uh, the top seeds and tell me what you think of, uh, each of the team, you know, in the thumbnail of each one of them. Well, we'll just start with Baylor since we're right there, um, coach, and they were the overall number one seed, uh, Kalani Brown at six, seven inside Lauren Cox, six, four. Uh, what an incredible tandem on the interior. They do everything. They protect the rim. They score on the block. Lauren Cox is a defensive player of the year in that league. She's long and athletic. She can switch on all their ball screening action and can defend on the perimeter. It starts there from the basket out for them. And then Chloe Jackson is a graduate transfer from LSU that's had a phenomenal year running the point. Um, you know, Kim uh, dismissed her point guard at the beginning of the season, and so she had to develop one. And who better to develop a point guard than, you know, the toughness that you described? I, I think of Kim, and I still can see the cornrows and the pigtails and uh, her fiery, um, you know, charge at Louisiana Tech. She has carried that exactly through. You're right, that toughness all the way through. Uh, and she doesn't want anybody to think anything different about her. You know, when she's holding her grandbaby and standing up there about that? talking about – that that's like ah no way Kim we I know Kim 
I know, I know who Kim is. I know where she comes from. Uh, I understand Kim Mulkey and, um, she's got a heck of a team that, uh, is positioned as the overall number one. So, um, I think they're going to be really tough not to get to Tampa to the final four. Debbie, I was so glad she passed the baby back because I thought she was going to s- s- dribble it or slam dunk it. <laughs> <one point. laughs> Tell me about the other top lines that you'd like. So, uh, um, Mississippi State on that side of the bracket, they're on Baylor's side. Uh, so, Vic Schaefer, um, you know, back to back SEC championships, uh, won the t- tournament title for the first time. He's got a big player inside Tierra McCowan. She's six seven. It's going to be a really interesting matchup should the two of them meet um, mm-hmm. as the, uh, on the in the final four. Uh, Tierra McCowan is uh, big, um, uh, an immovable object on the block is the best way I can describe her. Yeah. You you don't want to use toughness to describe a Louisiana woman. I would use you know like um, incredible girth and strength, like no body fat. Uh, I actually um, did a little um, segment with her this year where uh, I totally disappeared behind her. She's that big. Uh, you couldn't see any part of me uh, because she's just big and strong. She's got a high IQ. I think she's an incredible offensive rebounder. Mississippi State has a freak-like number coach. They offensive rebound uh, 50% of the shots they miss. Isn't that amazing? It, it, it's amazing. Um, and part of that, as you know, is not just having six, seven under the glass. It's that you take shots in your system. You have the right people taking shots. You play with incredible discipline. I think Vic Schaefer's, um has has always been known as a terrific defensive coach. His teams really dig in. They really play tough defense. But he lost four starters off of last year's team, and he lost four starters off the year before. <laughs> so when you start talking about culture, look what he's been able to do. And um, they have – good enough guard play and uh, they, they can score. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the women's game over 80 points. They average most of the season, which was absolutely incredible to go with that defense. And then I, I, I love Louisville. I mean, I, I love the atmosphere when Louisville plays at home. I, I think Jeff Wall's a fantastic coach, but they have, I got to tell you, they got my favorite player, in the game Uh, she is the most dynamic offensive player in the game to me she's my player of the year Asia Durr Uh, she was my pick so I I like her a lot too I think her uh, Asia Durr is a back-to-back ACC player of the year the ACC is the overall toughest league this season Uh, overall RPI number one got eight teams into the NCAA tournament Um, Louisville and Jeff Walls is an incredible uh, leader visionary tactical very strategic Mm. uh his kids understand um what he wants his game planning uh is outstanding um and you know here's the thing that jeff does a really good job of all the concepts are in okay everything that they're going to teach or they're going to adjust is already in so when he comes up against an opponent it's just a matter of changing a few things here and there it's not uh this tremendous uh game plan Mm -hmm. i think that's What's so impressive to me is that it's it's not just his ability to adjust in game. It's the fact that he's already planned and prepared and put his team in concepts that he knows he's going to need to be able to get to uh, Tampa. And so when you talk about the vision to see, he has a great understanding of how to win in the women's game against certain personalities on the floor. He's just a study and student of the game. And his team is terrific. Uh, I mean, Asia Durr, 
is a, a player that um, is, as I said, player of the year, but they didn't have any other players on the first or second team in the ACC, which is really interesting. It's amazing. So, so when you think about how players play their role, how they have an understanding that even though Asia looks like she's the alpha on the floor, she's not the alpha personality off the court. So it's a really interesting blend of chemistry and um, enough players that, that are tough enough and gritty enough and can make enough plays around her that to fill in all the holes. They're really good. I've had them number one most of the season. I had them number one in my poll before they beat UConn, uh, which is a huge win at any time. And in, in their bracket, you know, they are the one seed in Albany, which is going to be a home game for the two seed UConn. Yes. And um, I know you and I are going to get into another conversation about format change in the women. But um, UConn, I feel like I need to say this because there's a couple of big storylines, and they're all in that bracket. You know, that Louisville's the one, UConn's the two, and that Tennessee made it as an at-large with a 19-12 and 12 record as the 11th seed. And, um, you know, Tennessee's streak of making the NCAA tournament was on, on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting that this is the year that they got in. They got in UConn's bracket. And UConn as a two, I have to say this also, I, I think that the committee did an excellent job making them a two. I think if you were going to put Connecticut as a two, and if ever the American conference that they play in was going to catch up with them, this was going to be the year because Baylor and Louisville did beat them. Um, I think this was the year to put them as a two and they're put laying in Albany anyway. So uh, it really is just semantics for them. They'll be wearing a dark Jersey instead of a white Jersey, but it will (laughs) still feel like a Yukon home game. I agree. I agree. And I think Gino kind of relishes this role this year. He doesn't get to play it very often. Right. I mean, he's been such a dominant force in our game. He's, he's won at the highest level uh, consistently He's been one of the best teachers of our game. He's been a great ambassador for our game, and he's not used to being in this role. And this is interesting. I And you know he can spin it forward, and I'm sure he loves it. It takes just a tad of a bit of pressure off. I think he likes wearing a dark hat once in a while. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I really do. And I think this is made for him. I wouldn't count him out. But Muffet McGraw, our defending national champ, and what a classy lady, and Boy, she coaches. She's an elegant coach. She's the way, you know, you want to be before the game and then during the game and the first bad call, you know, you kind of mess up. But she's just, she's really good. I mean, she's really <laughs> she's good. She's terrific. Yeah, they, they, Notre Dame is playing the best right now. I think they're the, the best team right now mm. uh, in terms of the way they play, the number of All-Americans they have on their roster the development of their high-low game with Jessica Shepard and Brianna Turner, who are both terrific uh, passers from the high post, both run the floor hard. Their transition game is the best right now. Uh, the interesting thing is going to be when the game slows down, if it does for them, you know, their ability to execute offensively. I um, charted a number on them because, you know, I've always called Notre Dame and, and servants to the game. You know, they serve the game to make each other better. So they cut hard and they run the floor hard. They do a great job of screening. All the things that you don't really see on a stat sheet. This year, their assisted basket number is off a little bit because of their high-low game has been so good Mm -hmm. that there are a lot of possessions where they only have zero or one pass and then they score. 
if the game slows down and they have to make two or three or four passes, that will probably bring the three-point shot into play for them, which it really hasn't been a big part of their offense in the quarter court. It's going to be really interesting to see how they adjust to that, if anybody can slow them down. But that they are right now playing the best basketball, and Muffet McGraw continues to um, just do an incredible job uh, putting together uh, a fun and entertaining team to watch. You know, I, I, I look at the Pac-12, and I thought Oregon was a, a, a one seed potentially f- during the year. And then all of a sudden, they, then they went they went down and whacked Stanford at Stanford by like 40. And I, I remember looking at the score, and I said, this has got to be a misprint. And, and, you know, and I said, how do you do that? You know, and then, then they get caught, uh, I guess, later on in the tournament. So talk about Stanford and Oregon. What, what do you expect well, from them? Yeah, you're right. Uh, um, you know, what's interesting is Tara Vandeveer suffered the worst loss of her career this year to Oregon at home. And Roy Williams did the same thing at home with Louisville, yep. right? Interesting. Two Hall of Famers, two uh, that perennial winners. Um, interesting mm-hmm. how their teams have both bounced back from that point forward, right? How about that? Whatever it is as a coach and a young coach, I would be studying it right now because <laughs> I would want to find out what did they say, how did they handle it, what did they do, because both their teams are primed to be uh, contenders. But um, for Stanford, they won the Pac-12 tournament title mm-hmm. over Oregon. Oregon's lost three of their last six games uh, to finish the season. I don't think it's that alarming. I think it was just... Uh, enough to keep them in Portland as a two seed. I think the NCAA would have put them in Portland anyway because of the crowd yep. and then the need for a gate. But um, uh, Oregon has one of the best players in the country, Sabrina Ionescu. If you haven't seen her play, she's she's incredibly ready for the next level. She plays in the two-man game. She's got incredible vision and IQ, elite handle, elite shooting ability. And what I think separates her from everyone else is her elite decision-making. Because she comes off that screening action for them. They've got all kinds of options. She's so good at reading the second level. And she's got plenty of weapons around her. That's a very good offensive team without a lot of depth. And uh, foul trouble could bother them. And part of the reason why they sort of um, didn't finish as strong is because Ruthie Hebert, their great center, was hurt part of the season. And um, that sort of took them off rhythm a little bit. I think they'll be back and fine. Kelly Graves, the head coach there, is fantastic. Great guy. Um, and then Stanford coaches, uh, I mean, Tara Vandenberg, it's hard to counter out. You talk about scheming. She'll always have a plan. I think uh, um, I've been so, so fortunate that when I go back to the women's tournament after the first and second round of the men, I always seem to end up getting the chance to call Stanford in the NCAA tournament. And uh, should they advance to Chicago, that's where I'll be. And uh, it's an incredible study for me. I think she's one of the, the brightest people I've ever been around. Well, I, I am really interested in your take on Iowa. They have a very unique player uh, in their, I almost said their big man, but we don't want to say that. But tell me about, yeah. tell me, is it Gustafson? Is that Megan Howard? Gustafson? Yeah. Megan Gustafson, yes. Tell me about her. She is a 6'3 post player from a very small town in Wisconsin called Port Wing. She is an incredibly gifted, skilled offensive player. She can score left or right. She's got the hook. She studied Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to learn how to shoot the hook shot. How about that? And and she went to YouTube and studied it. She's led the nation in scoring all season. And they've got enough 
uh, skill around her so that you, you, you have tried every scheme has been attempted you know, when you bring the double, how, how, where the double comes from, it doesn't matter. She's so quick catch and score. Uh, and it's an interesting in a post player that she, she has incredible footwork, great balance, really good um, finish off the glass. There's not a player that uses the board better than she does in our game. And they're going to play at home as a two seed in Baylor's bracket and then uh, Missouri and Drake will be playing in the bracket above them. And uh, that's going to be really interesting um, to see. Um, that should be a great gate. I think that is a geographical location the NCAA had a chance to move the right teams into. Right. And, um, you know, that's going to be really interesting. Should they advance and uh, let's see what Megan Gustafson can do against Lauren Cox and Kalani Brown uh, from Baylor? Um, will be really interesting to see, but no coach and no scheme has been able to slow her down. She's that, that talented. That's neat. Um, I want now, uh, and I can't wait to see uh, what happens on Saturday, Friday and Saturday coming out of this. But now I want you to talk about what I think is one of the most fascinating ideas that I've heard about growing a game and growing a sport and your idea for your regional, if you would take the time to really explain to our listeners, because I think, you know, you're, you've always been one to really advocate the growth of the game on every level, men's, women's game. But this is so important because the women's game, you know, hey, I, I, I'm a huge supporter and Title IX follower and, and one and champion. But uh, at certain programs, the revenue is not there. And we're not getting people into place. And, and, and you know, and I hate to say it, but this our sports world is driven by revenue. And so give me your idea because I think it's spot on. Well, Coach, thank you. I know I've had a chance to share it with you because I've been talking about this for eight years. And I, I think there is some movement. Um, and I think the NCAA has finally come around. And there's been a lot of factors that have helped that and a lot of people that have helped it. But the basic uh, premise is, I called it eight years ago, the Sweet 16 to Vegas. The reason why I chose Vegas was because it was a destination city. I thought it was hypocritical that many postseason conference basketball tournaments on the men and women's side was being held in Vegas, yet the NCAA had a policy against NCAA championships. I say um, Sweet 16 part of it because people get caught up in the Vegas part of it. Um, but the Sweet 16 part of it is a format change. I have not been a big fan of, for a long time, uh, four regionals in the women's game. I don't think there, that there's any, um, anything, any way we benefit from that, that, that the true national championship is dictated by geography versus seeding. And if we keep the first and second round games on home sites, which I like, I think you've earned that during the regular season. And for economic reasons, right. I think that's the right thing to do. But to take uh, our game and to change the format, remove the four regionals. Here, here's why. This is These are the proactive reasons why. I could tell you a lot of reasons why we shouldn't do it. I want to tell you why we should. We, this is why we should rebrand our tournament. Because it will create synergy. It will create a destination it will give fans in advance a chance to, in the Christmas time, buy tickets, buy plane tickets, get hotels, get ticket packages, get prepared for the regional. Last night, if you decided that you were thought your team was going to make it to a regional, 
and uh, you were NC State. Let me use that for an example because that's my team, right? Mm -hmm. If you're NC State, you might not have it so bad because your regional is going to be in Greensboro, so you can easily drive there. But if you're um, Gonzaga and you're a fan of Gonzaga and they're a five seed and you know Gonzaga women's fans draw, right? They have a great following. They're going to play their first round game at Oregon State. Not too bad. That's not so far. But then if they win, somehow they have to get to Albany, New York. See, I think that's very expensive. And I don't think there'll be a lot of Gonzaga fans that will be able to make that trip. Right. So here's here's keeping in mind a rebrand of our tournament, which would be uh, a chance to create some sellable inventory. No one is selling women's sports right now. And this is the best time that I can ever remember as somebody who's been in the game for a long time and wore a hat as a director of marketing at two major institutions, Kentucky and Ohio State. And I've followed the game closely and passionately that that we need to create some inventory so we can sell. We need to create sellable inventory. And if we rebrand at the same time, Get some separation from the corporate partner program. The NCAA put the corporate partner program in place for the men's basketball tournament. There are 90 championships. 89 of them are all ancillary, uh, locked into the corporate partner program. Don't get a chance necessarily to sell any inventory on their own. Okay? Baseball and softball already have this model, and they're having great success with it. I don't believe Omaha for baseball in Oklahoma City were considered destination places for those sports until they decided to make them that. And once they did, now, I mean, everybody knows that Omaha is the World Series and Oklahoma City is for softball. Right. So a rebrand of the tournament, remove the four regionals, separate from the corporate partner program to create some inventory that we can sell. I'm talking about creative packages and selling you go to vegas you go to the game you go to dinner and you go to a show the next day you go to a game you go to the hoover dam the next day you go you go play golf i didn't even get to the casinos yet there's so many other things that you can do in the the destination the male demographic part of it march as you know is the male sports bastion of march right Mm -hmm. all People flock to Vegas for the NCAA men's tournament. Well, why wouldn't we want to do the same thing for the women? The Pac-12 women hosted, uh, Vegas hosted the Pac-12 women this year. First time they had the Pac-12 women's tournament. Now, they've had the men's tournament there for years, and it's been very successful. They put the Pac-12 women's tournament there, and for the first time, uh, there were lines on the game. I'm not advocating for gambling. I'm saying that having a line on a women's game is going to promote some interest in it, and it's going to promote some people, some viewership, okay? So people are going to get interested. I I think it's a great sellable tool, and we can't stick our head in the sand and think that people don't vote or, excuse me, that that don't bet. I live with all men. I don't know how many fantasy football teams are under my roof. I have no idea how many brackets the boys filled out, right? However, they know what the odds and the spreads, the lines are. It's something that guys do. They wake up in the morning. They check what the lines are. (laughs) Women haven't done that as a part of our sports culture. But in order to to grow that demographic, I think it's a a great way to do it without getting into, you know, I'll have a drink once in a while. I'll have a glass of wine. I'm not promoting drinking. (laughs) I'm just promoting a, a, a way to promote our sport. 
And then the TV windows and the schedule coach in a West Coast uh, uh, venue will make the games earlier in the day. We don't miss the windows at night. I just think there's a lot of great synergy that can come with changing the format. And I do believe the NCAA is efforting finally now to take a look at it. Um, I just think that if you're a fan of the game, this is a better way for you to enjoy women's basketball. If you're in the sports media, you're going to want to cover it. I had guys that don't even cover the women's tournament that said to me, if this thing's in Vegas, I'm going. I'll definitely go if it's in Vegas. Okay. And then the third piece of it is, it's for the coaches and the players. Yes. I mean, it's a destination city. It's fun. You know, in advance, this is where you go. And it's a model that's been successful. I don't really see it as being that challenging to change. But as you know, the NCAA has layer upon layer and committee upon committee. And it's not just an easy change. The frustrating part for me is, honestly, I will tell you because I can tell you this and you'll totally understand what I'm saying. I have had multiple conversations with the NCAA. I have talked to them and I told them if I hear strategic plan and best practices one more time for women's basketball, I think I'm going to throw up in my hat because I'm tired of hearing it. We for 30 plus years, I've been in the game and, and that's all I ever hear them talk about. I don't ever see them doing anything to really move the needle. And I'm challenging them to how and why. How come we're doing this way? Why can't we do it a different way? Let's find out a better way of doing it. And the the other piece of it is this. This year on the air, I did use this word. I did check with my boss before I used it because I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to get fired. So I said, I think that the way we conduct the women's tournament right now has collusion written all over it. We purposely pick regionals. In the format that we have right now, we're picking four regional spots that favor a top program. The reason why we're doing that is for attendance, right? Yeah, sure. But yet, but yet we, we don't change the format. So if economics really mattered, we would change the format because we would benefit as a sport overall metrics, any way you want to measure it by removing the four regionals. But because We keep going to four regionals. I'm calling it collusion. We're keeping the top teams at the top. Why are we going to Fort Wayne, Indiana next year? The only reason why we're going there is because Notre Dame is within driving distance. How about that? Why why have we been in Albany and Bridgeport for X number of years? Yeah. Because UConn's been carrying us. And I bet if you went and looked at the final four advanced ticket sale before – any teams were decided who was going. I bet 30 to 40% of the ticket sales at any Final Four over the last 10 years were mostly from New England because UConn fans knew they were going. But right now, UConn, it was the only, they're the only fans that know they're going to be in Albany. That's why a one or a two seed doesn't matter. Their fans can buy tickets mm-hmm. to go to that regional in November, and they're the only place that can do that because no one else knows where they're going until Selection Monday. And I think that's unfair to the fan. So there's a lot of perspectives that I look at right now. I'm saying that I use the word collusion. And yes, I did get a call about it. And I was glad to because I think they understood that I'm not challenging the NCAA because I'm doing this as a investigative journalist trying to find (laughs) out what their books are and all that. I'm pushing it because I'm passionate about seeing the women's game really flourish. 
And we got a little bit of a Band-Aid last year because of the way Notre Dame won. And Enrique Agumbawale yeah. saved us. And Columbus, Ohio yep. was fantastic because the Columbus Sports Commission got behind hosting that event in a huge way and raised millions to host that event. 2.7 million, as a matter of fact. Really? That's part of the reason why that was so successful. And that was driven by one person, Linda Logan, who runs the Columbus Sports Commission. She told the NCAA she'd raise $3 million and she raised $2.7. That's a phenomenal job. That's okay. If we put that same effort and we went to Vegas, come on. We know how much money is out there in Vegas and how easy it would be to set up MGM. I just watched St. Mary's and Gonzaga last night on film. Um, and, and the, or the Orleans arena, yeah. I mean, you could pick T-Mobile, you could just go right down Any the list, them. Mandalay Bay. There are plenty of opportunities to play great women's basketball in those venues where the fans can really enjoy it. Debbie, that's the best idea I've heard in sports in 10 years. That's the best. Wow, coach. Thank I, you. I love it. I'm behind it. I'm your champion for that, and uh, and 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 it, you know what? And it makes still makes the Final Four. It doesn't touch that. It makes that the great event it is. I was in Columbus last year, also. It's a fabulous event. Can't wait to be in Tampa this year with you. But I think this is the best idea I've heard. And the women's game, you want to grow, you want to be special, you want to stand out. This is the move to go. And I want to know what your son Frankie's sheet says on the on what uh, you know for the <laughs> tournament because I'm going with him because he knows what he's doing. Debbie, you're the best. Thank you so Thank much you, for Coach. sharing. And, I appreciate uh, I appreciate it so much that you would take the time to invite me. And uh, I, I appreciate everything you do on the women's side, especially because uh, you're right. It does deserve the attention. And, and when people like you, as well-respected and as much as you've accomplished, stand up for uh, the coaches in our game, that really makes a difference. Well, the word coaching you means coaching you. We're coaching you, the basketball follower and the coach. And we are advocates for men's and women's basketball. And we celebrate now the tournaments that are going on on both sides. It's the best. Deb, thanks. Have a great trip to Hartford and knock it out as you always do on ESPN. Thank you so much, Coach. I appreciate it. 